Thank you so much, Kate. Well, it's great to be with you this evening. If you don't know me, uh, my name's Nicola. And uh, say that I don't fall asleep, because this is my tired time, six o'clock. Who thought about doing a service then? Not the vicar, surely. Um, so, I'm going to need some notes. Here we go. But it's good to be with you. So, if you've got Titus 3 open, please do keep it open, because um, it's going to help you track where we're going. So, do grab it on your phone. If you want to grab a Bible at the back, please do. It's on page 1199. So, we're in Titus chapter 3. If you've been with us here at Christchurch over the past few weeks, you'll know that we've been doing a series in the book of Titus. And Paul has been writing to Titus, who's his worker, on the island of Crete. And if you were here in the very first week when we started looking at this book and we did some discussion and interaction, you might remember me saying, back in those days, being called a cretin was kind of like a swear word. It meant you were lazy, meant you were a bit of a brute, you were probably a liar. And so it was a bit of a diss to be a cretin. Uh, so the people of the island of Crete didn't have a great standing. And Paul is writing to Titus to try and get him to help the churches on that island to follow God's ways. And in chapter one, he's been talking about how they should behave in the church in chapter 2, he's been talking about how they should behave in their home life, in their relationships. And in chapter 3, that we're in tonight, he's talking about how they should behave in society. Now, I wonder if you look on the Bibles you've got, uh, might not show it in the same way on an iPhone, but if you've got one of the church Bibles, there's a little kind of title that they've given to the chapter, chapter 3. And uh, the title I've got in mind is this, Saved in Order to Do Good. We've been saved in order to do good. And if you are a Christian tonight, you probably, hopefully, at some point in your Christian life, have kind of clocked the idea that God probably wants you to be good you know, all that love your neighbor as yourself stuff, right? We were pretty kind of secure on knowing that. Maybe a bit more difficult to actually act on it, but, but we kind of know that. But I wonder, I wonder if any of you have experienced this. Just before Christmas, I was at dinner with uh, some friends uh, from outside of church, and uh, it was very exciting to be out, wasn't it? Do you remember that, sort of going out for the first time after all these lockdowns? It was very exciting. And uh, there were lots of bottles of wine, and someone brought gin they'd made at home, and the champagne was being opened, and everyone was having a great time. And, and this lady leant over to me, and she went, Nicola, don't judge me, I'm going to get totally drunk tonight. Um, and I found myself saying, don't judge me. She didn't want me to judge her for getting drunk. I didn't want her to judge me to be a judgmental type of person. You see, somewhere along the line, the church has kind of messed it up 
in the world. That so many people's impression of a Christian is that they're going to be judgmental and self-righteous. Anyone experience that in any kind of way? Does that relate to anybody's experience here? A few, a few nods, maybe. And you see, tonight, I find it really interesting in this passage because on the one hand, we've got this call from Paul to be good in society. How do we do that now, living here now in West London, and try and help people realize that we're not being judgmental and self-righteous and yet still pursue good? And that's what I'd like to speak into a little bit tonight as we work our way through this passage. Okay. Now, I think that people have journeyed to thinking that Christians are self-righteous and judgmental because that's their impression of religion. And I think oftentimes people out there that think that are right. You see, religion is all about holding on to a set of beliefs that you mark yourself up against. How am I doing at X? But the thing is that a religion might be to do with your faith. Perhaps your faith has become just a tick list of things I must do. I must do my quiet time. I must make sure I don't get drunk at the party. I must make sure, and it's become like a little tick list exercise. But other things can be religion too. You know, you can be a religious secularist. You could be, um, and this is really important to hear this right, it's really important for us to care for the environment, but some people have turned that into a religion. It's good to be a good parent, but some people have turned parenting into a religion. They're not very nice people to be around, you know. Those people that always find the fault in your parenting because they've got it just right. And then when their own children misbehave, they can't cope with it because it's totally shattering to them because suddenly what they thought they were, this excellent parent comes crashing down around their, their, their sort of ears, ankles and home normally. And then they get angry with the kid and so it crushes the kid as well as them. But they've turned parenting into religion. You can turn study into a religion or your career into a religion. Any system of belief where you're marking yourself and you've got to be good at it and therefore you're looking down at others as you compare yourself to other people is a religion. And religious people end up being critical, judgmental, self-righteous, often from a place of deep insecurity because they're not really sure they've made the mark. And you see, in this passage tonight, I don't think Paul is encouraging us to be religious. And yet he is still calling us to devote ourselves to good works. So let's try and work through this. And I think there are three things tonight to help us with this. The first one is this. I think we need... Now, let's try and get this right in my head. 
we need to understand that we can't be in control of how other people think of us, right? And if you truly are going to follow Jesus Christ tonight, get used to being misunderstood, get used to not always being popular, get used to people having all kinds of different impressions to you, because that is going to be the reality, right? But there are some things we can do to help people realize that we're not judgmental and self-righteous. And these are the three things I think can help. Number one, getting our beliefs in our own head right. Getting the beliefs in our own head right. Have a look with me at verses um, 4, 3 and onwards, 3 onwards. It says this. At one time we were foolish, disobedient, deceived and enslaved by all kinds of passions and pleasures. We lived in malice and envy, being hated and hating one another. But when the kindness and love of God, our Savior, appeared, he saved us not because of righteous things we had done, but because of his mercy. He saved us through the washing of rebirth and the renewal of the Holy Spirit, whom he poured out on us generously through Jesus Christ, our Savior, so that having been justified by his grace, we might become heirs, having the hope of eternal life. If we want to be people who are friends with Jesus, not seen as judgmental and self-righteous in the world, the first step is to get our beliefs, our own belief structure, right in our head. And the first thing we need to know is verse 3. We need to believe deep, deep, deep down that we are foolish, disobedient, being all sorts of terrible things, all of us are actually sinners. Do you believe that? Do you believe yourself to be someone who's sinned? It says, doesn't it, in Romans 3.23, all have fallen short of the glory of God. Not one has managed to make the mark. All have fallen short of the glory of God. And that is a great leveler, isn't it? It means that we have no right to judge anyone else. So we need in our own heads to really believe that and understand that, that all of us are equal before God. We've all messed it up. We've all missed the mark. But then equally, we need to believe verse 4. What does verse 4 say? When the kindness and love of God our Saviour appeared, he saved us not because of righteous things we had done, not because of righteous things we'd done, but because of his mercy. So we need to totally believe that we're sinners and totally believe that we've been utterly made right because of God's kindness, not because of anything we have done. And even this week, I was talking to someone and we were talking about how someone they knew was really struggling with this. They were always trying to kind of do enough to serve God and and kind of trying to get right with God almost by doing things. And the Bible teaches us that it's not because of anything we've done that God saved us. He saved us because of his kindness and his mercy. 
And we need to walk around West London really believing those heart truths of the gospel. Because then it means in our individual interactions with people, we can share that belief and we can act it out in our behavior towards others too. We can be kind when others mess up and sin. We can be merciful because we've been shown mercy. So it's really important to get our beliefs right. And I think we've got some hard work to do as Christians today to really think about how we communicate that to those that we know. Um, So I asked my friend, I said, do you mind if I share uh, this conversation in my sermon uh, tonight? And it was just a great little opportunity on WhatsApp to kind of just have a little chat about it and, and to sort of say, you know, I don't really think that I'm any better than you. You know that, right? In fact, I think I, think I need a saviour. That's why I'm a Christian. And we could have a little back and forth. And I think it's really important to try and engage in those kinds of conversations, particularly with our close friends who know us well. Because chances are they already know that, really, because they've seen you and you've not been perfect all the time, right? But explaining that and sharing it is really good. So getting our beliefs right is really important. The second way I think we can combat uh, being seen as self-righteous and judgmental is to be people of humility. If we have a look at verses 1 and 2, remind the people to be subject to rulers and authorities, to be obedient, to be ready to do whatever's good, to slander no one, to be peaceable and considerate. And always be gentle towards everyone. The command to remind or to remember comes about 600 times in the Bible. And it comes that much because we are that forgetful, right? Um, You can all just give yourselves a little pat on the back right now because you're in church today. So give yourself a little pat on the back um, because it's one of the ways in our week that we stop together and we remember together the truths of God's word. That's why it's so important to be in Christian community and not just to live the Christian faith in our own head because we can't actually do that well. We need the reminder of other people. We need the reminder of the the speaker, I don't know, preaching from a book of the Bible. We've not read for a while but because we need to remember the truths of God so remind he starts with remind the people remind them remind them remind them remind them to be subject to their rulers and authorities to be ready to do whatever's good to slander no one to be peaceable and considerate and always be gentle towards everyone Now we need to pause for just a brief moment because some people will read that and be a bit like, not being subject to the rulers and authorities. Um, Especially, I think, most of us are quite independent in West London and I think that would irk quite a few of us. You know, like, shut up, Paul. Um, (laughs) I know my own mind. I'm not going to be subject to any rulers and authorities. Thank you very much. Um, We need to remember that the people in the island of Crete were incredibly rebellious at that time. They were always rebelling against the Roman occupation, but to the point that it was having a hugely detrimental effect on them 
and wasn't producing any good. So Paul is speaking to people that were being really disruptive in uh, their society. We know in the books of Timothy, we are called as Christians to pray for our leaders. When's the last time you prayed for Boris Johnson? How easy was it to pray for him this week? Who found it hard to pray for him this week? Yeah, it might have been a sacrifice to do that this week and last week. But we're called to do it as God's people. We're called to pray for our rulers and leaders and those in authority, whether we agree with them or not, whether they're good or not. And Paul is teaching the church here that as much as it depends upon us, we're to play our part of being good citizens. We're not to unnecessarily stir things up and not be involved in society. Women are get involved and be people of peace as we do it. Now, I was reading this week of um, a lovely Christian lady in North Korea, and she got found with a Bible. And if you know anything about North Korea, you absolutely cannot own a Bible. And so she was sent to like a hard labor concentration camp. She managed to escape and got into South Korea, where she got a new Bible and a few more and headed back in to North Korea. She was totally and utterly disobeying her rulers and authorities. She will most likely be killed. But she has a higher authority, and that is to God. Now, when we read the whole of Scripture, we learn that our first authority, that our first person we bow to always is the Lord Jesus. But after that, to the rulers and authorities, it is allowed to exist. Many of us living right now won't find examples that extreme that we need to unpack and deal with when we perhaps go against the rulers and authorities of our land. But we might find some. And when we do, folks, can I ask you that you don't do it alone, that you do it with humility, you check it out with your brothers and sisters in Christ that you do it carefully and thoughtfully. And you see, if we are, as Christians, people who are walking really humble, people that are trying in society to bring peace, people that are trying to be considerate and not slander other people, that helps people, like my friend, to see us doing good, but realise that we're not judging society, we're actually trying to help it, right? And so we have a kind of duty as Christians to help society. We're to be humble. Not the kind of humble where, you know, like where you go, oh, I'm not very good at that. Oh, I'm ever so humble. Because um, actually what happens when I did that? You just, you just look at, at me, right? All the attention goes to me. True humility is the person that walks around going, oh, Lydia, you just led the service so well. I really loved that. That was brilliant. 
True humility is about lifting the other up. And so I wonder in our friendships with our work colleagues, with those that we see at school tomorrow, how can we lift other people up? You see, if we go around not slandering people, but being humble and gentle, lifting people up, then it's hard for them to say, oh, you're really judging me. Because actually they've just heard you say, oh, I think that's great in you. I love your passion for that. It's amazing you're so interested in this. I'm really, how are you learning that at the moment? And are we lifting people up? So we get our beliefs right. We walk humbly in society. And I think the third thing that this passage perhaps touches on and encourages us to is to be people of productivity. You see, the passage calls us to go beyond just uh, these first uh, few bits of, of being good, but being ready to do whatever's good in our lives. Devote ourselves to doing good Verse 14, in order to provide for urgent needs and not live unproductive lives. Now, the people of Crete, those cretins, those liars, those brutes, they were also known to be incredibly lazy. That was the other part of being a, a dissing someone as a cretin, was you were also saying they're lazy. Um, and Paul is saying, I don't want God's people to be lazy. We're to be productive people so what does that mean for us because we're not to go around trying to work for our salvation right because we already know we're saved by trusting in Jesus that Jesus has died for us and we've clung on to him and in our trust of him we've been led to eternal life because we're holding on to him not because of anything we can do so we're not to get caught into that trap of just being like a good goody two-shoes Christians I must do lots of stuff but no rather we're to say God Out of my great love for you, I'm so thankful that you've saved me. Out of an overflow of that, Lord, have everything. Take my life, take my talents and just use me for your good and for your glory. And it becomes a joy to hand over the whole of our lives to him. And so... And I'm ashamed to say because I'm so bad at this, but we're not meant to be kind of just scrolling through Facebook all the time and getting overtired and staying up too late watching Netflix and doing all this stuff that we do. We're meant to be living productive lives for him. So that in all our ways, we have space and capacity to be ready to do whatever's good and please don't hear me wrong because I think there's lots of people right now that just need a rest and if you need a day with a duvet to watch Netflix and chill out the chances are you are battered from this pandemic time and you are really tired I'm not judging those moments but do you know like when we get into kind of a cycle where our life has just become so insular and so about just kind of us getting our stuff done and protecting our own space and our own time so much that we've left Zero capacity for extending ourselves out to being productively good.
good. I love the way that Jill Spencer, without any fanfare, was out on Turnham Green this afternoon picking up the litter. I mean, she has modelled this passage on behalf of our church. I thought about going and didn't quite make it. Next time, Jill, I'm going to try if you're watching online. We probably should all be at the litter pickup. Like, why weren't we at the litter pickup? I don't know. But, like, not a guilt thing. It's not, that's because then we get into Christian works. But what in our lives? What is a little bit of good before us we can do? Because we're to devote ourselves to it and be productive. And actually that blows the mind of people around us who, generally speaking, are just living for themselves. But if we're living in such a way that we want Chiswick to be the most beautiful place, so we don't want litter on the ground, so yeah, we'll just go and pick it up. We're not going to tut at someone who drops it. We're not going to put big posters up going, don't litter. We're just going to We're just going to go and pick it up. That's humility, isn't it, in action? It's a beautiful, beautiful thing. And that is hard to argue with. So get our beliefs right. Show true humility and live productively. And we need God's grace to do that. It starts with getting these beliefs right. Have you been blown away recently by God's love for you? Because the whole of the Christian life comes down to how well you and I grasp the love of God. But none of this living out our faith is even possible if we don't fully grasp that. So just briefly as I come into land, think for just a moment. You think of like, just really quickly, because I don't think we should linger on these thoughts, but like the worst crimes you've heard of in humanity. I don't need to name you know, rape, child abuse, all those kind of the worst genocide, all those worst crimes you can ever think of, the Holocaust, all that like evil, all the mess, everything you, you can think of that's bad. And then realize that that mess, the seeds of those evil are in your heart and my heart. And that there's no escaping that. We can't save ourselves from that mess. And God has to judge it because he is a just God. He wouldn't be truly God if he did not judge the evil. He has to judge it. Because there's an outcry for justice. And if you've ever been and sat with a victim of severe abuse that they've faced, you want justice there's an outcry for justice and God has to act and so God acts but the way God acts is that he takes the atonement he takes out the anger of it all on himself rather than any of us 
because he loves you so much. And so the perfect God-man Jesus took it all. Can you let yourself be blown away by the love of Jesus again? For it is out of the overflow of being blown away that we can truly live out Titus 3 and hopefully at least dispel some people out there's myth that Christians are just judgmental and self-righteous. So let's, um, should we stand together? And um, we're going to pray. And uh, Liz is going to lead us in communion as we close today. Lord, please just, uh, anything I've said that's not of use tonight, would you just kind of strip that away? Um, Anything that you want to speak to any of us tonight, would you speak to us?